Tonight we're talking about UFOs with uh, a terrific guest, first time on our program, Alejandro Rojas. Alejandro, welcome to Beyond Reality Radio. So great to have you on the show. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. So to, to get us started here, uh, because this is the first time you've been on Beyond Reality Radio with us, tell us how you got interested in the whole uh, possibility of alien and alien spacecraft visiting the UFOs, better known as, you know, what we call UFOlogy. When and how did you get interested in the topic? Well, when I was younger, when I was in college, uh, I was a journalism student, and I was open to the idea. I'm from the Southwest. And uh, although I was more science-minded, because of, like, my Native American and Mexican heritage, I kind of had a, a, a appreciation for kind of uh, indigenous ideas about uh, mythology and the things that could be. So I was open to it, uh, but I really caught the bug in about 2002 uh, when this gentleman named... Uh, Dr. Greer, put on this uh, press conference at the National Press Club in Washington, D.C., and he had a lot of very credible people, people I didn't know, you know, had sightings or were involved with this sort of thing at all. And I was shocked when the media didn't really cover it widely, and I kind of caught the bug. I kind of felt this is kind of like my, my you know, uh, what I'm going to cover on, that, on this. I this information has to get out. So for the most part, uh, it has been kind of a journalistic type of thing with me. I, I researched. I became a field investigator with uh, the Mutual UFO Network. I eventually then helped them uh, run conferences. I became their PR guy and uh, kind of their, their uh, official spokesperson and eventually got involved with what I'm doing now. Well, and Alejandro, why do you think that the media doesn't cover this or really doesn't put the information out there when these things happen? I mean, it's been numerous times lately the ISS feed's been cut because something weird's been in the distance or or people believe that there's a UFO that, that's able to be seen. There's something going on, and they, and they cut the feed. These are things that really very few news agencies cover or put out there for the public to, to know. Mm-hmm. I blog for the Huffington Post, and the Huffington Post has a man named Lee Spiegel, and uh, that's kind of his beat there, and, and they do post quite a few things. However, you're right. For the most part, they don't, but it's really difficult uh, for a few reasons. First of all, uh, you know, as, as you all run into with ghost hunting, I, I know there's a lot of people who, uh, when it comes to volunteer organizations, they're not necessarily professionals or careful about that, how they do things. Not a lot of people understand the importance or uh, how to hold to kind of a, a scientific rigor. Um, and so that hurts credibility. And, and when the media goes to speak to those people when they're used to speaking to experts and they're not kind of hearing that language or kind of more loose concept and ideas, and they have a harder time taking everything more credible. And a lot of media want to take it seriously. They want something good and meaty to get their teeth into. They don't want to go the route of playing the X-File music and, and teasing all of the time. That's kind of the easy route. But if you don't give them something beefy or substantial, then they're going to go that route. And that's something I've learned. So you've got to 
keep in your back pocket, you know, the good stuff. The, for instance, with the ISS or the ISS feeds, there is no credible person out there who is an expert who can say, this is definitely something odd and the uh, NASA shut off these feeds. Um, even though there are people in this field who analyze these sort of videos and, and are considered professionals. However, there are military sightings. Uh, there are other things out there that, that are more substantial. Um, for well, instance, when it... Uh-huh. Go ahead. Uh, no, and and I agree with that. But the the confusing thing is, like as as me doing ghost ghost hunters or ghost hunting, if I put a post out there or I put something out there um, that I believe I caught a spirit on film, and I put it out there, now it, it it'll go viral. I can I can do you know fifty different television stations interviews on them, big new news stations, but it seems the same doesn't apply when it comes to, to UFOs. And I don't understand that because there's so many great people in, in the field of, of UFO research and, and study. And so, and for whatever reason, it just seems like they kind of put a kibosh on so much of it, which, which I think sucks in general, but. Mm-hmm. Well, it gets hard. Like for instance, who is the expert for you, for example, your show has been such a big hit. You are considered an expert. Plus, uh, you're, you're very careful how you go about things. So uh, for the ghost field, you've been great because uh, you've been able to serve as an expert for the media, and you do speak more carefully. You know, you're, you use terms like debunking, and, you know, you're looking for answers. So um, in the UFO field, there, there isn't necessarily that person. Of course, there's Giorgio Tsoukalos of, of uh, Ancient Aliens, but that's a very speculative show, and... He's seen as kind of a, a charming person, but not necessarily an authority, uh, someone who's very careful with their research, more like you all have been. But so you also have people really like Stan Friedman. You also have people like Stan Friedman and, and so many other individuals, yourself as well. You're a very well-spoken individual. Um, so I just, I just wish that they'd give more credence and more, more uh, well, just open the, the doors more for, for you and, yeah. and numerous people like you to, to be able to come on and, and speak of these things. Yeah, I agree, but there's, there's, there's kind of a twofold issue in that we are very careful. Luckily, with our conference, UFO Congress, that's coming up here in February, we get a lot of great press coverage because we're more savvy about how to, what sort of information to give them. Uh, however, on the flip side, you have, especially right now, the sensationalism of the topic. So you have like a lot of uh, UK tabloids, for instance, are right now covering UFOs like crazy, but they're promoting the hoaxes and the wild stuff. And even they'll take our stories, a lot of my stories on a, on a weekly, if not monthly basis, and they'll spin them in a way that isn't accurate, making a lot of assumptions. And then uh, mass media picks up uh, their stories and the misinterpretations. And so it, it makes it really difficult. So, so you're right. It is just really hard. And a lot of the people doing great work in this field, because of that reason, shy away from the media. They stay away from the media because they don't feel they're going to be um, treated properly. For instance, one of those people would be Robert Hastings. He's got a documentary out right now you can see on Vimeo. We'll have it as part of our festival and the film festival. But it's about uh, nuclear cases. And these are military witnesses tons of them coming out and talking about their UFO sightings and experiences around these bases or facilities. And you don't hear about that in the media, but he wants nothing to do with the media because 
he feels they've twisted his his information, and unfortunately, often they do. Uh, I don't know if that's a good policy or not. I think he should do his best to get his information out there. Um, but you know, at the same time, he doesn't want to compromise uh, his witnesses and the importance of what they have to say and uh, the importance of being accurate with what they have to say. Understand, Alejandro? Do you think the uh, new media options, whether it's Facebook, YouTube, or one of the many others that are uh, seem to become available every day, uh, are helping the cause or hurting the cause because it makes it too easy for hoaxes? You're right. I think you know the the whole epidemic of fake news, which I think is a problem and has been a problem for a while, especially in the paranormal field, uh, maybe longer than than in in uh, other arenas has been a major issue, especially in arenas where there aren't designated authority. Then anybody can claim their authority and put stuff out there. When it comes to YouTube, there are people making a living off of making hoax videos and putting them out there. Uh, there's one in particular I can think of where he didn't, I don't think he started wanting to fool people, just having fun putting UFOs in military videos. And that uh, they became so big and so viral and making so much money that he now continued to uh, more blatantly try to trick people into believing they're real. And it's been a huge success for this person. And he's been out there, you know, getting media coverage and everything. And so, yeah, it does make it difficult. Uh, so, you know, it, it, you have to, we try to teach our public on how to educate themselves and how to look for credible sources of information. But that's really difficult to do. Not everybody has the time or even the inclination to do that. We have about a minute before we have to go to break here, but uh, you mentioned credible sources. Do you have a couple that you could throw out right now that you would say, hey, these are good places to keep an eye on for legitimate information? Yeah, definitely. Lee Spiegel of the Huffington Post is great. I like to think our website, Open Minds UFO, is a really good one. There's a gentleman, Kevin Randall, out there who does a blog. I can think of who, who's uh, got a lot of great information. Stanton Friedman, uh, like you mentioned earlier, is one of the guys out there who's been doing it for decades. And he's a, he's a nuclear physicist. So, yeah, he's great. Um, we've had somebody, a couple callers on hold. I want to go to Jamie, who is on the road but has a question. Uh, welcome to the program, Jamie. You're on Beyond Reality Radio. Hey, thanks so much for taking my call. Love the show. You guys do a great job. Uh, my question is, um, I, I believe in UFOs. I'm, I feel like I've seen one before. But I've got a friend, his name is Mac, and he thinks and stands by this that at one point when he was younger, an alien came into his room and touched his foot during the middle of the night. So my, que- my question is, do you think this is feasible based on your research and what you know about alien life? I don't believe that. I, you know, I, I believe they're there. I'm not sure in human contact. So I just want to hear your expert's opinion on, uh, on that. That's a great question. great question. Yeah, Jamie, and we've, we've had a lot of people claim similar things. Alejandro, what do you think about that? You're right. That's the hard part. Uh, you have thousands and thousands, probably hundreds of thousands of people claiming this sort of thing in direct contact with entities. There is, at this point, I don't feel any evidence to support that. So there's nothing you can lay down and say, you know, this is definitely happening. However, you have just tons and tons of anecdotal information 
and when all of this information is compiled, well, there's a lot of similarities between what people are saying. Um, for instance, this is really exciting. We have a neuroscientist coming to our conference next month. And this is the first time uh, someone of this caliber has put together, you know, witness testimony from thousands of people, he says, to see how uh, what they're saying and what is the commonality to what they're saying, the types of creatures, the types of experiences they're having. And he's done this report, and he believes that people are having extraterrestrial encounters. Um, and it's twofold. So first of all, sometimes people approach this and they think, well, it couldn't be happening because I can't imagine the motivation behind what they would be doing. However, when it comes to investigation, you kind of just got to follow the data. And they data where we don't know what the motivations would be. But at the same time, these are extraterrestrials. These things are uh, civilizations that are thousands of years more advanced than we are. We may not have no ability to figure out what their motivations would be. And uh, it's kind of similar to, I think it would make sense. For instance, let's say uh, you're t you guys were talking about technology and how it's improving. Let's say in 200 years we're able to visit other planets or even send probes. And we find some, a planet with like, you know, beings on it that are intelligent, but they're like Neanderthals. What would we do? We would observe them, but we would have no interest in really communicating with them, especially if we couldn't recognize any sort of communication, nor would we really care to explain to them what we're doing. We would observe them and their behavior and study them. And so I, I would think it's entirely possible that could be happening to us. Do you think, Alejandro, and, and Jason, I'm sure you've got an opinion on this, um, that there could be some confusion uh, with folks who say that they've been visited by aliens at night, that maybe it's a different paranormal uh, phenomena that's occurring to them? And we've talked about the, the, the top hat man. We've talked about, um, you know, the shadow people that, that stand at your foot of the bed. Um, we've talked a about a lot of different phenomena. Could there be some crossover confusion there? I totally agree with that. I think 100% that could be happening. Uh, and, and I think that a lot of what's interesting, a lot of the researchers who have been in the field for a very long time, the top thinkers, let's say even like J. Allen Hynek, who was uh, a consultant for the Air Force, or his protege, uh, Jacques Vallée, um, these are people who were in the mainstream, mainstream scientists, and they came to that conclusion that this whole phenomenon along with other paranormal phenomena, is just so complicated. It's just we just can't get our heads around it. The answer could be something that we can't even fathom or imagine. So we have to be open to all possibilities. One of the things they looked into was historically, you've heard of fairies and different types of creatures and everything over time. And so it's kind of like our definition changes. And right now we're, we're technology-based, so we a lot of this stuff to beings coming here on spacecraft. Um, but that might not be the case. It could be much more complicated than that. It, it's different saying seeing a, a flying saucer or an alien spaceship. That's totally different than saying a UFO, correct? Right, exactly. And that's one difficult thing that, that happens. A lot of times people want answers. And for instance, with MUFON, they're a large UFO organization. You have to, they've got people throughout the country. Um, you have to take a test to become a field investigator. Best case scenario, if you investigate a case, 
is that you're going to label it unknown. Same with the Air Force when they used to do a Project Blue Book. Uh, the best case, you know, best case as far as there's something being anomalous is that they would mark it an unknown. That just means it could be anything. It could exactly. be Bigfoot. It could be a ghost. They don't know what it was, um, which is the mystery is that we don't know what it was. Yeah, and that's one thing I just wanted to make everybody aware of is a UFO is not saying an alien spaceship. It's saying it's just an mm-hmm. unidentified flying object. could be somebody who built a weird-looking drone and is flying it. It could be a new testing, uh, a new airplane that the government's testing, some new uh, spa- uh, ship that way. So it might not have anything to do with, with an alien technology. So, But I just wanted to make that clear to everybody out there. That's a great point to make, isn't it? It's one of the things that makes this feel difficult because you kind of have this double meaning to the term UFO. Technically, when I use it, when other researchers, most of the researchers use it, their meaning is unidentified. We don't know what it is. Just like you said, it could be military. uh, It could be a cosmic or astronomical sort of thing. Um, But when the general public uses that term, often they mean extraterrestrial spacecraft. Exactly, yeah. that's not what the term originally meant, and uh, so that causes a lot of confusion. Alejandro is Director of Operations for Open Mind Productions, hosts a uh, radio show called Open Minds Radio. He's also formerly the Director of Public Education and official spokesman for MUFON. Tell us a little bit about Open Minds Productions, the radio, the TV component. What, what, what is it, what's it all about and what's going on there? Yeah, essentially we're kind of multimedia, all about UFOs and ET life. Um, We uh, cover UFO news on a daily basis, so we post daily headlines from mainstream media. We post stories. Uh, We have a great relationship with MUFON, so the director of communications posts sightings on our site daily, including the best photos and videos that they run across and they investigate. Um, And then we have multiple researchers who also post stories there when they come across something new. Um, beyond that, we also do YouTube videos. So we do a, a periodic, a, a couple of different shows. We used to do a magazine that was print, and now we've been doing some uh, kind of deeper investigations, and we've been putting those online and calling those like kind of a video open minds magazine. And then we also have a, a news show where we cover some of these sightings and news events, and we also have an archive that we've we've got of photos and, and different material. And we'll put those together in videos and put those out as well. Alejandro, we also oh, oh, run, go ahead. Uh-huh, go no, ahead. Keep, you go ahead. Continue. Okay. I was going to say we also run the UFO con- Congress, with it, which has been running. Uh, this will be the 26th year. Uh, it's held in February in the Phoenix area. And uh, we videotape those. It's a very professional production. Um, and we videotape those and put those online. And we have an on-demand service that uh, you can watch those on as well. So you can find all of this at openminds.tv. Alejandro, a lot of people get involved in the search for answers like this. In your case, it's uh, regarding um, uh, UFOs or uh, alien spacecraft visiting us or not visiting us. And in Jason's case, my case, you know, it's ghost hunting. Um, And some people do it because they believe it's there. Some people do it because they don't know and they want to find out. And some people do it because they want to disprove it. Which of those three categories do you think you fall into? <laughs> I would say I fall into I don't know and I want to know. It's a, it's a major mystery. I kind of tackled all of the paranormal like that, but gravitated towards the UFOs, I guess, because I love space and future. 
In fact, Jason, I met you about 10 years ago. An organization I, w- I was with brought you to Metro State College, downtown Denver, uh, where you did a, a talk with Grant to a huge crowd. I, I, rem- really I remember great. that. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. I, I do remember that. There was a, a lady. Uh, what was her name? Kim or something uh, that that was there. Uh, yeah, I, I, that was a good time. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. So we loved that. That was a, that was a, that was a hoop. But uh, that's essentially, you know, and it was kind of the same thing you guys do. Uh, the word debunking, especially in our field, can be, uh, you know, seen very negatively. But uh, it's an important thing not to be a debunker where you're looking just to. Uh, explain everything away at pretty much any cost, including the cost of logic or reason. Well, there has to be a uh, fine line. Exactly. There has to be a fine line. And when you're looking for the true uh, phenomena or anomaly, then uh, then you need to be able to look for the root of the matter. That's, that's what we're doing. And if the root of, mat- of the matter turns out to be prosaic, so be it. But... Uh, Often is a case where, or not so often, actually they're rare, but it does happen, that there are no answers. And you have extraordinary circumstances, uh, extraordinary witnesses, and there you have, you know, evidence of of, uh, something mysterious. You know, it's that that want to believe type of thing where that is out there and you have to be careful not to go there. So I kind of chuckle because you ask, are, are you out to disprove everything and in a way, it is like that. It's kind of like science when you go out there and you're, you're trying to disprove your own hypothesis. Because that's your yeah. job, because if you're not able to do that, then you've got something real there and something good. And uh, so that's what we're trying to do is look for those answers on a regular basis so that we know what are the great cases and what's uh, really interesting out there, what to focus and spend our energy on. And there are great cases. There's great cases that have not been explained. And, uh, and, you know, even this idea of military, uh, the U.S. military came to this conclusion that there is nothing. That's actually not true. A lot of the researchers who did those investigations did believe there was something to it. Uh, we've got a couple military guys who will be talking about that. Not only that, if you look at the official record, and this is what we did our last Open Minds magazine on, you'll see that if you use their documents to tell the story of what they feel about UFOs and whether they're looking into them, you'll find that regardless of what their PR department is saying, and their PR department is saying, oh, we don't do that anymore, we figured there's nothing to it. Instead, you'll find these incredible uh, circumstances where they have done reports and they have investigated these cases, and we record how they do this these days. So, in, in fact... Uh, they've got this thing, it's called an OP3 re- report. So what that is, is if you have a vital intelligence report, you label it OP3. That way it goes straight to the upper echelon so they're aware of the situation. And over the years, we do have documents that show UFO situations. They've even used the term UFO, uh, UFO flyovers uh, of, of places, especially like nuclear bases, um, have warranted an op rep three report um and so it does happen now alejandro do you believe as an investigator do you believe that the united states government is hiding information or the proof of alien existence you know what that's one i can't answer that's really difficult i cannot say and i wouldn't say that we have definite proof of that there's 
there's a, a wide spectrum. So, for instance, we have a gentleman who's going to be speaking this year named Colonel John Alexander. He was in uh, Army Intelligence, and he actually got together other friends and other intelligence agencies, and they decided, we're going to go find this organization that's hiding this information. However, what they found was that there was no organization, that they handle it kind of in a bumbling way where it's like this hot potato. Somebody sees a UFO, they get embarrassed by it. They don't really want to do anything with it, so they just file it away as a report, and it doesn't really go anywhere or get thoroughly investigated. And he feels there should be a more concerted effort. He believes there are legitimate cases, but he, he feels through incompetency they just don't do that. And he argues when people argue with him because people, uh, you know, criticize the military and the government. And he says, so you're telling me that the military or the government's incapable. They are incompetent. But at the same time, they have this, you know, tight hold on these secrets that they, they haven't leaked for years and nobody has over the many decades. You kind of can't have it both ways. Well, and I However, mean, on the other end. Yep, go on. Go on. On the other end, you do have people who do feel there are uh, people who are, are looking at this information and, and maybe an oversight organization that is holding on to this information and doing more analysis. I think that, you know, when we look at where these OPREP 3 reports go to, for instance, it's harder to find where they go. But there have been organizations inside NORAD that are groups that are very quiet and discreet. You don't know of their existence, and it's not really advertised, but the reports are going there. So what are these guys doing with it? And you can't get the answers as to what they're doing with it. And even worse, there are times when they deny these organizations or these reports even exist when we know they do. They've given them to us. Yeah. Um, so it, it that leads us to believe there is some bigger mystery, even when it comes to Roswell. Uh, the first report that came out the first time, you know, uh, the the photos where they're showing the weather balloon pieces and this General Ramey and, and Roswell said, oh, it was just a weather balloon. In an Air Force report that came out in the 90s, they said, well, actually, he was lying because he was covering up something called Project Mogul. But a lot of people feel Project Mogul is just another balloon. So if that doesn't hold true either to what happened. In fact, person, the first uh, intelligence officer on the scene in Roswell said, no, it wasn't a balloon. That's not what I saw. And that, so a lot of people feel we still don't have the answers to what it was that crashed there. Maybe it was something secret. Yes. If it was all these years later, why haven't they told us? There have been with with these so-called UFO crashes, and there seems to be these huge leap in aviation technology that happens within uh, you know, a year to 10 years, uh, a decade after these so-called crashes. We seem to make these huge leaps forward with with uh, mm -hmm. aircrafts. And so I think there, there has to be some truth behind it because we can't just be sitting level where we are at one point with our technology and then all of a sudden supposedly a spacecraft landed and then within 10 years we've got these incredible devices or these incredible machines yeah. that are out there. Well, one of the most exciting stories from the year came from Tom DeLong. He's the lead singer of Blink-182. And he's been saying that he's got these government insiders telling him that we've back-engineered alien technology. Um, you know, he's gone on coast-to-coast -coast and other places and, and said that everybody's like, yeah, he's a rock star. Who knows? But 
when the pedestrian email WikiLeaks came out, there were actually a string of emails, because John Podesta, Hillary Clinton's campaign manager, was really... They used one of my stories about Bill Clinton and Podesta being into UFOs to show the history uh, of their in- interest in UFOs. Well, going further than that, in John Podesta's emails, you have conversations with different researchers, including Tom DeLong. And in fact, he set up a meeting with Tom DeLong, a uh, general who's in charge of the labs at Wright-Patterson Air Force, a, ge- a general who was the assistant to uh, the commander at Air Force Space Command, and there is a Space Command, and then also a vice president of Skunk Works, which is a group that created Area 51 for the CIA and still operate uh, Area 51 and build spacecraft out there. So he had a meeting with all of these people and Tom DeLong. After the meeting, Tom DeLong said, hey, one of those guys wasn't really sharing all the information. He's actually told me a lot more, and he helped me create a group of 10 advisors. On Facebook a few months earlier, Tom DeLong had said, I met with a general who helped me create this group of advisors and told me there was an alien body uh, that the military had recovered. And he said, you know, this is all part of this project where he's going to get information out on this. So we should be hearing more about this from Tom DeLong. We've had a little bit of conversation with him through friends of friends, and we've actually interviewed him before. But that's weird. Why the heck are these generals and, and, you know, the campaign manager to who might have been president speaking with this rock star who says his sole purpose right now is to prove that the government is back engineering alien technology. Why talk to this guy at all? It's just, it's so, so many mysteries. <laughs> yeah. I need wow. to, I need to take you back just a bit. Uh, the question I asked when we opened up the, the, the segment you know, which category you fell into as far as somebody who was a believer and looking, you know, uh, and, and, and pr- approaching from that perspective, someone who's just trying to find answers or someone who was trying to disprove. And you said you're kind of in the middle there, you're trying to find answers. Does that mean, Alejandro, that you haven't had any experiences yourself in all your research and investigations that have convinced you? I have had experiences and, and they have convinced me, um, now, I used to ghost hunt also in the past. I haven't had any ghost experiences, um, but I have uh, had experiences where I've seen lights in the sky that are anomalous, that moved in ways they should not have done that. However, I can't say definitively what those were. Uh, it does prove to me there's a phenomenon. There is a UFO phenomenon, and I think um, credible witnesses have also spoken to that uh, to prove that there is some sort of phenomena. As for finding what the answer is, I'm a bit agnostic in that. I guess as a student of all of this, um, nobody's figured it out. You know, unfortunately, a lot of my heroes, and in some cases mentors, have lived their whole life looking at this and trying to figure it out. People who I feel are better than I have, have more resources than I have, and haven't been able to figure it out. So, I follow the information as closely as possible, get the data out, and, and hope that um, maybe one day we'll have some answers, but maybe not. Um, out of these scientists, John Alexander and actually others, were uh, part of this group called NIDS, National Institute for Discovery Scientists, where this guy 
Robert Bigelow, who's actually a real estate mogul out of Las Vegas. He now has Bigelow Aerospace, where he's got a component up on the ISS. It's like this inflatable um, module up there, and he's doing space stuff. He was really into UFOs. And he uh, had these guys, these scientists, go to this ranch that he purchased in Utah where just a ton of odd phenomena were happening, cattle mutilations, um, you know, invisible forces, things coming in and out of portals, just all of this strange stuff that these scientists observed, but they never repeated it themselves, which is important when it comes to science. And all of these scientists left feeling they came in feeling, we're going to figure this out. We're going to figure, if there is a phenomenon, we're going to figure out the nature of it, what's going on here. But they all left saying, we don't know what the hell. This thing was outsmarted us. Uh, every time it seemed to be fooling with us. It, it knew what we were going to do. And they were left baffled. They, they felt there was something there, but they weren't going to be able to figure it out. They gave up, essentially. And that kind of, in a nutshell, feels like, uh, how a lot of this paranormal investigation goes. Yeah, we have a couple minutes um, uh, before we have to go to break again, but I want to take you back to our discussion in the last hour where the caller had t- talked about an experience that a friend of his had where he felt as though he was visited uh, during the night by an alien of some sort. And you said that um, you know, you, you're not convinced there's enough evidence to suggest any of those types of stories are um, legitimate or at least can be um, you know, taken without any serious doubt. Are there any alien human contact stories that you've heard that you feel you can take without any serious doubt? I would say there are there are some that are more compelling. I always have the door open, I guess. I never am a hundred percent. However, there are a couple phenomenal cases and they include multiple witnesses. So for instance, Travis Walton. This is a guy who was a logger in the seventies and him and his logging buddies were leaving. Uh, this was in Arizona outside of Snowflake. That was, Arizona. Uh, the movie Fire in the Sky was based on them, correct? Exactly. Yep. The, the movie Fire in the Sky, which got everything except the onboard experience is accurate. Um, but yeah, these guys thought there was a fire in the woods. They go over there and they see this craft hovering in the woods. Travis Walton, the youngest of the group, being kind of just a goofball, gets out and walks towards it. They, they start yelling at him to come back. He stands up and gets beamed by some sort of force and flies something like 20 feet. They freak out, the rest of them, and they take off. After a little while, they come to their senses, and they're like, we got to go back. You know, uh, we got to find out if he's dead or alive. They thought he was dead. They go back, and he's gone. They call the police, and they report this, and uh, there's a manhunt. The police then start to be, his coworkers killed him and left him out there somewhere. They do um, polygraph tests, which they pass. And eventually, Travis, five days later, comes back thinking he was only gone a few hours. Uh, later on, and this is what the movie gets wrong, he remembers, he recalls being on this craft and at first waking up in these little characters with big heads and big eyes are kind of messing with him. He freaks out and shoes him away, and they freak out and run away. He walks around, and he's on this craft. He sees these human-like people. Um, they escort him to another room, but they're not talking to him. They they put something over his face, and then he wakes up on the street, and he sees his craft above him, and it flies away. 
these are a bunch of witnesses. I've, I've known Travis for many years now. Uh, I've been involved with um, uh, occasions where we've brought witnesses. And I've had several witnesses come to Congress who, who are these bloggers, and they're hard to find. They're all over the country. They weren't friends. They were coworkers. They right. don't even like each other in some cases. Right. Uh, you had mentioned that uh, with Open Mind Productions, you you post every day. You keep on top of current events as they relate to UFO sightings or reports. And there were a couple recently that have made the rounds. And I just kind of wanted to get your your take on them. I'm sure you've either seen them or talked about them or heard of them anyway. But there was one from the uh, Chilean Navy that uh, kind of kind of made the circuits did you see anything it was a video that was oh, yeah. circulating what are your thoughts on that yeah that one uh was posted by a group called sepa ah they're actually a chilean organization that's an official government ufo investigation organization so there are a few countries out there that do this in fact i'm going to be posting a lecture soon where i talk about all of these groups chile's an important one because they're kind of the biggest one in south america and they've helped uh, create other ones in other countries. And uh, here, Leslie Kane is a researcher, a respected journalist who uh, writes with the Huffington Post and kind of writes uh, their cases, puts them on Huffington Post. So I was able to interview both of those guys as soon as they posted that story. And then uh, the next day, it went viral. It went all over the place. So the situation was a Chilean Navy helicopter had tracked an object using their infrared system that they couldn't identify. This object was not on radar. Um, they didn't know what it was. There should have been no planes in the area. Uh, as part of their analysis that they released recently, they did say they worked with a French organization, because France actually has an official UFO organization. Um, and they're, they're assisted by these aeronautical engineers that are part of this society. Those guys had said it's a plane. We don't know, you know, may not have been on radar, but it, but it's an airplane. But the Navy said, you know, we've looked everywhere. There should not have been a plane in the area. Uh, well, it turned out it was a plane, and, and Leslie did write up a follow-up story on this one saying that she worked with some other investigators, uh, including uh, a guy who's a director of research for MUFON, and they did determine that it looks like it was a plane. And there was a site, Metabunk, that had also determined uh, what plane it could have been using some historical data from these flight tracking tools. So unfortunately, they did figure that one out. But this is really interesting. Um, IR is something that you guys use. There have been some military IR videos that have gotten uh, popular that have been unexplained. Uh, this Robert Powell, the director of research for MUFON also investigated a video that was captured by Homeland Security in Puerto Rico a few years ago. That was never determined. Nobody figured that one out at all. Um, and uh, there are some people who believe it's balloons or birds, but the experts that I've talked to, the top experts who have seen it and looked at it, don't agree with that. They don't know what this is. And uh, another exciting one this year was uh, a police helicopter outside of Wales at a town called St. Athens, they captured an object on their infrared that they couldn't identify either. Uh, and they even tweeted it and said, we don't know what this is. What do you guys think? They said, aliens, question mark, this little alien thing. They only submitted a few seconds of that video, but uh, it's an object that's strange. They said they couldn't figure it out. Unfortunately, they said they turned that 
uh, video over to the police and they're not sharing because, of course, UFO researchers want to get at it and look at it and try to figure out what it is. But the infrared seems to be, you know, it's a technology that can capture objects that we can't see. It's looking for differences in heat. And and in these cases, they've captured um, objects that have a difference in heat that are not registering on um, radar. Unfortunately, in the Chilean case, these planes did register on radar. They were just further out than the Chileans expected these craft to be. And you're talking about the uh, the one that was caught actually on the FLIR camera, uh, on the uh, security camera from England? Uh, yeah, that, the, this was the Chilean one, uh, the Chilean Navy. Oh, okay, yeah, all right. Okay, yeah, and it, it's definitely nice when you you have you're having these fluorothermal and and uh, also the these IR cameras because you're able to to catch so much more that that yeah, most people wouldn't be able to. But you were referring to a couple of these these groups. Now these are government san- sanctioned groups in these in these other countries. Yeah, Sefa is a Chilean group. We've actually had the general who's in charge of it. He just recently retired. Um, speak at our conference in 2012, this group is under the DGAC, which is uh, their equivalent to our FAA. So just imagine our FAA having a UFO organization. Here in the United States, the FAA is one of the worst groups when it comes to FAA or UFOs. They don't talk about them at all and often will deny experiences. Um, and in, in one famous case in Chicago, had to recant and say, oh, yeah, okay, we did get some reports of a UFO there. But uh, they are also overseen by the Chilean um, Air Force. But they have total cooperation with every agency in their entire government. In fact, they had a famous meeting where they brought together tons of agencies and military heads to talk about UFOs and the motivations. And they're, they're, uh, in this meeting, they were trying to determine, do they pose a threat? And uh, Jose Lai is the director of uh, international affairs in the he was the one on my interview a couple of weeks ago, and I've talked to him several times about this. And he said they all came to this meeting with the idea uh, that UFOs are a foregone conclusion. This is a phenomenon that happens. So when they sat down, they talked about do they pose a threat, and they determined ultimately that they do not. The biggest threat that they pose is when their pilots get distracted by looking at them. Yeah. But otherwise, they determined these things do not seem to be aggressive, um, any close calls were accidental, seemingly, and uh, that they just seem to be monitoring us or, or not concerned with, uh, you know, messing with us, essentially. Well, but they determined this. This was an official meeting. Well, let's be honest. I mean, if they have the technology to get here, if they wanted to be aggressive, yeah. I don't think there'd really be that much we could do. Yeah, we would be in a lot of trouble if that was the case. But. France is another exciting one. They've been they've had their group around for a long time. They always they are very conservative. They kind of try to fly under the radar because they get a lot of scrutiny from the scientific community out there. But uh, their group is called Japan, and uh, it is under the CNES, which is their space agency. So over there, it's kind of like if NASA oh, had wow. a department that was looking into UFOs, and they've got uh, many sightings that they've looked at. Um, but there's only a handful that they feel are legitimate. But uh, even a handful, of course, is pretty extraordinary. Yeah. All right. Let's. Uh, we have been kind of uh, derelict in, in uh, 
attending to the phones here, but let's bring a caller in. This is Doug from Kansas City. Doug, welcome to Beyond Reality Radio. Jason, JV, love you, love your show. Thank oh, you. Thanks. Welcome to the show. So you were talking about fire in the sky earlier, and, you know, when I saw that movie, I actually believed Travis Walton and what he saw, because in 1986, the year of the comet, I was a little boy looking up in the sky. It was supposed to be one of the best nights to see Haley's Comet. So I'm looking in the sky, and my friend Michael, he goes in the house, and as soon as he goes in the house, this thing goes streaking across the sky, and it looked like a rock. I mean, it, it, it looked like something, like a red rock. It was rocky underneath, and it had these red lines under it. It looked like what, what was in the movie Fire in the Sky. Uh, after my friend came out, I was all bragging to him, oh, man, you just missed Haley's comedy. It just went streaking by, and uh, blah, 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 yada, yada, you missed it. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't know at the time that Haley's Comet was a stationary object in the sky. I should just be able to look up and see it. So now I've got to wait. I've got to somehow survive, like, another, what, 50 more years before I can see Haley's Comet? Because the aliens rocked me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. The aliens rocked me. So did anybody else uh, see that object on uh, the same night? Were there any other reports? Uh, there were no other reports. I was, like, I was, like oh, 10 years you. old, so I wasn't really big on watching the news at that time. Yeah. But uh, from and the, and the area of Kansas City I was at, it went streaking from the north to the south. And it, it's weird. During the Michael Jackson concert, uh, I don't remember what year that was. I didn't go to the Michael Jackson concert. But my grandmother and I had just got back home from a drive-in movie, and the whole house starts to vibrate, and the windows start vibrating. And I go out, and I just I, I happen to look out my bedroom window, and there's this, now this one was going by slow. The other one just zipped by. But there's this huge thing about the size of a football field with these glowing lights on the bottom of it. There's these four large round lights. It wasn't blue. It wasn't a blue color. It wasn't a white color. I would call it white, but it was like a blue tint color. It was really weird. Hmm. Interesting. Alejandro, what do you think of that? Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's, of course, when meteorites fall into the atmosphere, they break up and they light up and they can look very extraordinary. However, of course, there are plenty of things that on a regular basis people see that uh, they can't explain. I keep referring to MUFON and earlier I, I organization's full name, which is the Mutual UFO Network. They get about five to 600 sighting reports a d in a month. Uh, throughout the country, mostly in the United States and some from other countries. So uh, there's a lot of people seeing really odd things. And, and many of these, mm, let's say conservatively, 5 to 10% are never explained. Alondra, I got to say, you're, you're just a great person to have on to talk with. And, uh, you know, you, you know your stuff. And I think that's important. Yeah, thank you very much. I'm involved in it every day so it's like there's just so much information so when you do a show like this it's like you just want to get it all out there well we certainly could you we could have gone another couple of hours and kept talking about this so we'll bring you back for sure but tell folks tell our listeners where they can find out more about your work follow what you're doing uh you know appearances whatever you've got going on yeah, pretty much openminds.tv is the best place to go. And then uh, for our conference that's coming up next month, ufocongress.com. And for that, it's only until the end of the week can you get discounted prices online. Otherwise, uh, we won't be selling any tickets online. You'll be able to get them at the door. 
but it is the biggest event of its type, and that's what I'm living with right now, just busily, you know, getting that together and getting the word out on there on that, and just lots of exciting yeah, stuff where, going where, on. Where, is, where, where do you hold the event? Where is the event held? It is just outside of Phoenix. It's uh, called the Week of Pa Resort. It's a beautiful resort casino area in the desert, and not everybody uh, knows that there are parts of the desert that are very pretty, actually, so... <laughs> Uh, it's, it's just a quick drive down the highway from uh, the airport there in Phoenix. And we've got five days. It goes from the 15th, which is a Wednesday, till Sunday, which is in the 19th. So all day we have speakers, uh, but we leave plenty of time for people to mingle at night because that's what's great about this event. We have more researchers, not just speaking, but also as vendors or, or just coming to watch the speakers because it's the one time where you can get uh, to an event where you can mingle with everyone and be just surrounded by like-minded people. The place sells out, you know, uh, in October, so lots of people have to stay in, in nearby hotels. But um, it's a really unique event. And that's out in Fountain Hills, Arizona. So, all right, exactly, and, technically. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Yeah, and people can check that out, ufocongress.com. So make sure you head over there. Exactly. Well, thank, we want to say thank you very much for coming on, hanging out with us. And like Jimmy was saying, we got to definitely have you on again and uh, talk some more. I would love that. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, I love the show, so I was very excited to come on and talk with you again. Alejandro Rojas. Again, what it's Open Minds. Yeah, openminds.tv. And that's where you can go and keep track of what Alejandro is up to. But, you know, this is a conversation that, uh, you know, there's never a conclusion to it because there isn't a conclusion to the whole concept. I mean, you know, we've been looking at the skies, we've been analyzing information, we've been talking about Roswell, we've been talking about, you know, fire in the sky type uh, episodes and uh, reports. And, you know, there's enough compelling information that you're scratching your head, but we just can't find, you know, the smoking gun. Well, and I think that's that's going to come with time. I think that we're we're eventually going to, and uh, like the Open Minds TV, uh, it's it's a great it's a great website because it's set up nice. It's got all the uh, the most recent information, news coming in, and uh, and they do they do well. But it's people like Alejandro and uh, so many more out there that are trying to get the word out, and hopefully, in the near future, our government will will accept it. Sort of like those sanction groups uh, out in Chile and. Uh, in France, I think that would be just incredible to have done. But I think ours is covering it up more in hopes of being able to reverse uh, reverse technology on on a lot of the uh, these things. So you think it's more of uh, we have an advantage by not uh, releasing the information, reverse oh, technology, uh, yeah, because uh, the knowledge is the power. And if they're if they're able to uh, keep it private that they've got they have these things in order to reverse uh, technology, it. Um, I th- I think that that they look at that as a military benefit. Yeah. Of course, because they're able to a- excel like we were saying, make these huge leaps in aviation technology um to the US as the top top uh, air force in the world. Think about that. I mean, and I think a lot of that has to do with with uh with alien technology that's probably been found. Well, that's certainly an interesting theory, and there's there's certainly a lot of compelling evidence to support something well, like and that. How many how many people have we had on that, that talk about UFOs? Who who talk about that? How the government does do that? People who've worked in, in, within the government. Yeah, we've had several that have 
told us those stories. These are very high level Air Force One uh, uh, employees and and uh, yeah, and nuclear physicists. You name it. All right, I think we have time, Jay, for one quick phone call here. It looks like we do. This is Jonathan from New York City. Jonathan, welcome to Beyond Reality Radio. Great to have you on the show. Hi. I know you you had a question for Alejandro, but we've let him go. So, something you can ask us? Oh, um, uh, it's been a little weird, but um, like um, something happened to my to my um at my uh, mom's house, and um, it was weird because like I had an argument with my girlfriend, and we were like kind of like tussling and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. and um, like she uh like afterwards we we had the fight like um she had a uh she was looking at herself in the reflection of her cell phone but um instead of seeing like you know like a like an average light like everyone anyone would see she saw like a, a reflection from like uh, of a person of like a a, a woman that wasn't her no it, it wasn't her like um you know like when you look into the reflection of like your uh, cell phone yep and you see, like, just like a, a plain white dot. Like, it wasn't a white dot. It was like a like an outline of a of a of a person. Oh, strange. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And what what happened even stranger? Like later that that uh, evening, I was taking a shower, and um, the uh, the strangest thing happened. Like the uh, power went off, like in the bathroom and in the kitchen. And uh, I was I was so scared. Like, uh, I mean, I. Not too scared, but um, I could tell like you know it's probably just like a, a little power like um sh- a shortage. Mm-hmm. But um, I was thinking I, I don't know because like I've been thinking about like different religions and stuff like that. It was weird. So as I like, called out to my girlfriend, I thought she was like put like possibly like playing a trick on me. Right. Yep. But uh, she wasn't there. She was asleep in bed, and uh, the uh, bathroom door had actually closed. Like slowly, it was it was it was very strange. So I figured, like, if I run out, I'm going to see my girlfriend playing a trick on me. You were but almost it, out of time. So. Okay. Yeah, and then uh, uh, when I checked the uh, the uh, circuit breaker box, um, like like nothing w- was played with. And then later that that evening, I couldn't sleep after that. Um, the power just miraculously went back on. Yes. Oh, yeah, sorry, we got we got to cut you off there because we're just simply out of time. We'll invite you to call back in, uh, Jonathan. You can uh, share more of your story with us. Thanks for listening. It's Beyond Reality Paranormal. We'll see you next time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go beyond reality. We're talking UFOs tonight, Jay. I know. This is going to be good. Yeah, Alejandro Rojas, um, he's been part of MUFON. He speaks at the International UFO Conference every year. He writes for the Huffington Post uh, on their blog about UFO occurrences. Um, he's involved in a, 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 a I guess it's an, a web um, 
programming channel called Open Mind Productions. They do radio, they do television, all on the web. Um, got his hands in a lot of UFO stuff, so we'll get pretty deep into that. He's, he's one of the foremost experts in the country about UFO occurrences.